it's important to give your partner space if they need it. And sometimes that may be what they are most wanting in times like this, is that they just need a little bit of like, I I have to process. That also means that I potentially am going to be less communicative during this time, just because I'm working through stuff with a therapist or working through stuff on my own, or maybe with the family members who I've been going through things with. And that therefore means that I am going to be less communicative with you. But ideally, you can have that conversation with them and sort of set up expectations of, okay, how long do you need? Or can I still check in on a biweekly basis, for instance, because I really want to know that we're still okay and that we're still doing well and that you know that you're appreciated and cared for from my end and that I know that as well from your end. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. Whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're diving into listener questions. We'll be talking about what happens when just one relationship in a triad has to end, things like how to support a long-distance partner, how to build confidence when you've been a late bloomer when it comes to sex and relationships, and what to do when a partner will not acknowledge their own jealousy. A lot of great topics. We had so many amazing question submissions. We're so excited for that. If you're interested in learning more about our fundamental communication tools that we reference all the time on this show and in the answers to these questions, you can check out our book, Multi-Amory Essential Tools for Modern Relationships, which covers some of our most used communication tools for all types of relationships. You can find links to buy it at multiamory.com book or wherever fine books are sold. Even places that sell mediocre books probably carry it. <laughs> Alternatively, the first nine episodes of this podcast also cover some of our most widely used and shared communication tools, if you'd rather check it out there. I pulled together the questions for this episode, and I'm really excited. So we have some changes on the horizon for how we're going to be doing listener Q&As, and it's going to be great. Don't be scared. The changes are going to be awesome. But one of those changes is we did create a slightly more private portal for getting questions from our Patreon subscribers. And people always submitted really great questions, but I do think kind of having that extra layer where people are not submitting on like a, a comment forum, for instance, in our Facebook group or in the Discord... I think people are just like really, really vulnerable about what was going on for them. And basically, we have this huge log now of just like so many great questions that I'm extra excited for us to be diving into, not just in this episode, but in our future listener Q&A episodes as well. I see ahead here some really great sign-off names that people have given for themselves. Yes, people should know that part of us setting up this question submission portal is that now you have to submit a moniker. Of some kind, you have to submit either at, at the very least a pseudonym or you have to submit some kind of alliterative sign-off name. So Amazing. those have been fantastic and I'm really excited to share these uh, with everybody. Excellent. And just a quick disclaimer before we get started here. We are now in our 10th year of studying healthy relationship communication. Wow. 
I know. When are we going to get that PhD? Oh, <laughs> hopefully it's coming someday. They'll just uh, give it to us because we've been doing so much work. At least one PhD that all three of us can share. Indeed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh-huh. There you go, without actually having to go to school for it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we we really have spent a lot of time studying healthy relationship communication, but we aren't mind readers yet. And our advice is just based solely on the limited information that we have that you gave us in these questions. So please just take what we say with a grain of salt. Everybody's situation is unique. So, of course, we encourage you to use your own judgment, seek professional help if needed, ultimately, you're the only true expert on your own life. And whether or not you care about what us three chuckleheads have to say about your life and situation, your feelings and your decisions are your own. And while I've tried to include as much information as possible from the questions that people submitted, some of them have been edited for time and for clarity. It's so funny. You were talking about giving us our honorary PhD. I was not just a real watching... one, not, not an honorary yeah, one, like sorry. a real one, a real one. Yes. Yeah, so I was just watching this video that was about the history of the blue LED, which took like decades to make. They had made green and they'd made red, but blue was really, really hard just from like an huh. engineering standpoint. And it was this guy named uh, Shuji Nakamura, a Japanese inventor or a uh, engineer who invented it. And one of his goals while he was pursuing it was that he wanted to get his PhD because he didn't oh, have wow. one. And at the time, you could get a PhD in Japan by having four academic papers published. Oh, and that was wow. his path that in his okay. research for making the blue LED, he published. I mean, he's now published like 937 papers or something. Whoa, he's okay. a super question, accomplished guy. Like, does but 400 podcast episodes count? Like, what's the ratio of 400 podcast episodes? Like, how many academic papers does that equate to? If anyone knows that conversion, let us know. At least four. I would think so. There you go. I would think so. The amount of work and reading involved. Yeah. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, you can't get a PhD that way anymore in Japan. But at least back in, you know, whenever he did that in the, what, 80s, I guess? Something Mm -hmm. like that. Anyway, with that, let's get to these questions. All right. Question number one. Can you end one relationship of a triad without exploding everything? Everything in the world. (laughs) All right, here's the full version of the question to get some details. I am currently in a triad relationship with Taylor and Charlie. These are pseudonyms. It formed organically and has been really wonderful for some time. We have done a good job fostering the four different independent relationships, mine and Charlie's, mine and Taylor's, Taylor's and Charlie's, and the three of us all together. However, I am beginning to suspect that my relationship with Taylor has run its course. This is sad, but I feel grateful for the time we spent together and just thinking that our romantic chemistry has fizzled in a way that isn't working for us. We're bumping into some perpetual problems in the ways we deal with conflict that I think are ultimately incompatible for me in a long-term relationship. I'm happy to and even want to keep Taylor in my life in some capacity, and I also would like to continue dating Charlie. I desperately don't want to put Charlie in the middle or make them feel like they have to choose. I am left wondering if I should keep dating Taylor and working on our relationship for the sake of everyone's happiness. Ultimately, I'm looking for advice on how to navigate ending one relationship in a triad without imploding everything. Is it even possible? And this is from Trouble in Triad Land. Well done. Good job. On the name. Yeah, Beautiful. They got the assignment. Yeah. I think this is something that the three of us have actually done and did, I think, fairly well. I've done it in multiple triads. 
Really? Back More in than the one. day. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's impressive. I guess I ended my relationship with both of you, but then was also able to continue on in a relationship in a different way with both of you. And the two of you ended up staying together while ending a relationship with me. And I think like intentionality is always is the name of the game here in terms of breaking up. So often people don't really think about if I am going to stay friends with this person, what is a best the best practices that I should be employing in order to do that. And that may include things like, yeah, I need to take time away. I need to make sure that we have a significant amount of time for healing before we jump back into working on being friends. But I also think that some of those things potentially should be talked about maybe in the midst of the ending of a relationship in those transitionary moments. Because if they're not then I do think that often a person may end and then the relationship goes away and maybe resentment is there and challenge is there. And then you really never end up coming back together in some capacity that would evolve into a friendship. So I think intentionality, if you can, right from the get-go, is really important. It sounds to me like this person, first of all, has a lot of clarity about the ecosystem of the relationship and relationships, which is great. And it also sounds like they've done a fair amount of work getting clear on their reasons why they do, they think this particular relationship isn't working, which I, I think is is great, doing that kind of work. And I do think that it is really important to do that work, especially in a triad relationship, of getting really clear on like what belongs to which relationship. What's the stuff where like I'm bumping up against problems with this particular person? What's just my own stuff? Am I projecting in some situation? Is there something going on in another relationship that's affecting me? So I think getting really clear on like the specific behavior that's giving you pause about this particular connection, I think is great. And that that sets you up to have a clearer runway for sitting down specifically with this person to talk about these are things that I'm noticing and Mm -hmm. I don't think I can be in a relationship in this particular capacity this is what I would like for our relationship moving forward this is what I don't want to have happen anymore and this is what I would like when I think about like the triad relationship you know this is what I would like when I think about our time together and what that means with this relationship changing So there's that bringing in that intentionality that Emily was talking about. And of course, you could be very intentional, be very clear about this is what I want for our relationship. This is what I don't want. There's a risk it could still implode because feelings come up. Breakups are hard and the person that you're breaking up with could take it very smoothly and very well, or they could have a really hard time with it, or they could be fine with your relationship ending, but then seeing you in a relationship with this other partner they're with could be too much, could be challenging, right? So So I think, yeah, you can do everything possible to be intentional and be very clear in your communication and also understand that there's going to be room for some feelings to come up. And that may involve things like needing some time away or needing some time where you're not in contact or maybe needing some time where they're not around your relationship with their other partner, potentially. Like there's definitely going to be ripples for sure. Yeah. A couple of things that keep coming back to Again, in in thinking about various relationships I've had that have de-escalated or or changed in some way, that I do think there's this balance we need to strike between 
giving ourselves some of that space to heal and redo our thinking about that relationship. But I think there's also this part where we kind of need to force ourselves to keep that relationship alive and re-navigate it. So it's like mm-hmm. you don't want to go too far on one extreme or the other. You know, like if you were living together and together in front of each other all the time, that's maybe too much. But if it's like, I need some space and time away, and then you never really actively try to maintain that relationship, if that is actually what you want, right? And you're not just doing that because you think, oh, that's what evolved poly people do is they stay friends afterward. Maybe you don't want that. But in this case, it sounds like you do. And so that is something I will say that for us, having this podcast while we were going through that, the breaking up and transition in our relationship between the three of us was both good and bad. And I think it helped us thread that needle though, right? Where it was like having to talk about communication and relationships altogether was hard. And there were some emotional days doing that, but also it kept us from just easily kind of drifting apart and just sort of falling out of each other's lives. And in our case, it ended up with something that I think was even closer and better than it had started with, but it took a while and kind of having a commitment to that regular time together in our case, in the form of a podcast, helped us do that, I think. Yeah, I want to point out that this person is saying, I don't want to put Charlie, the the part of the triad that is going to still be in a romantic capacity. They don't want to put Charlie in the middle. And I think that because you've set up really good established relationships, I guess with each like sector of the triad, that hopefully that will make it's so that Charlie doesn't end up in the middle of this whole thing. But again, that intentionality needs to be there and you need to make sure that there is no pitting against happening, ideally, especially on your end. Clearly, you can't you know, do anything about what the other person is going to say or feel or do. But in terms of on your end, really make sure that you're not trying to place them in the middle of the situation, Charlie in the middle of the situation. I just really like calling different relationships in the triad sectors. It <laughs> sectors. feels much more sci-fi. <laughs> I was trying to figure out an elegant way of putting it, but <laughs> but like it, yeah, because it's it's all the different points of the triangle, but then also the relationship right. is the triangle in general. <laughs> yes. So yeah. yeah, all of those different points. It sounds like you've done a good job, like maintaining that specific relationship, and I think that that'll help you moving forward in terms of a decoupling or a transitionary period. One other thing I wanted to add to that is something that I think we just hadn't gotten into as far when this was going on for us, what, 200 years ago, eight years ago, 200 years ago, years ago, yes, is looking at it from a little bit more of a relationship anarchy smorgasbord kind of perspective, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I think that when it comes to a breakup and thinking of it that way and calling it that, it brings with it a lot of other emotions, right? There's some hurt pride. There's some feeling of like, well, I should be a little sad or I should be a little bit mad. And it's not to say that that will go away, but it might just give you some more flexible ways to go about that conversation to say, it's not like I want to break up, break up, but maybe I just want to change these aspects. And I think it'll still be a hard conversation. I don't think it's a magic wand that just makes de-escalating easy, but it just might give you some other ways to have that conversation that can hopefully avoid some of those feelings of kind of the hurt pride and maybe embarrassment that can go along with 
breakup and, and calling it that. Yeah, kind of maybe come to the breakup talk or this change in terms of what it is that your relationship is going to look like talk and say like, hey, these are the parts of the relationship that I really love. These are the things that I think that we do really well together. But there are also things that I think that we don't do as well together and that maybe I want to change or maybe I don't want to have in my life anymore in a relationship with you. Thank you so much for the question, Trouble in Triad Land. We wish you the best of luck, really. I, I hope that this works out. It seems like you've got a lot going for you, which is awesome. And let us know how it goes and know that you have an amazing supportive community with you in our Patreon Facebook group and Discord group that we have for our patrons. All of the questions for today come from people in our patron group, which is an amazing supportive community. I'm. This is on my mind right now because we just recently did one of our monthly video processing sharing groups, which are fantastic. We have those at our $9 tier where you get these monthly video calls. And it's just already having a cool community is great. And then getting to have this place where you can share in a face-to-face -face way and support other people. What, what I love about it actually is that in addition to all the amazing sharing, we have a lot of people who show up and don't don't even come with anything they themselves want to work through, but they just like to be there to hear what's going on and offer support and encouragement to other people. And they've been coming every month for years in some cases. And it's just so cool getting to show up, you know, see those familiar faces and see how supportive everyone is. It's, it's really, really amazing. If you'd like to join that and you're not already a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash multiamory and check out our different tiers to join there. And we're going to take a quick break right now to talk about some ways that you can support this show by checking out our sponsors. We're very selective in the sponsors that we pick for this show. And also, it's so important to us that the main bulk of our podcast that we put out there is available to everybody in the world for free. And one of the ways that we do that is by having sponsors. And so thank you so much to the companies who have decided to sponsor this show. And if you could please take a moment, listen to the ads, and if any seem interesting to you, use our links and promo codes. Those will also be in the description because that does directly help support our show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I recently had a client of mine ask me, how do you know what's important in life? Like, how do you decide how to spend your time? And my very wise response was, I don't know. I haven't figured that out myself. Why are you asking me? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, first of all. But of course, that does beg the question, time for what? If your time was unlimited, how would you use it? It is really important to know what is actually important to you? How do you prioritize things in life? And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so that you can do more of it. I recently jumped back into therapy after going through a breakup. And it's just so, so nice to have somebody in your corner when you're going through a really hard change, a really big monumental moment in your life. It's wonderful to have that objective viewpoint somebody who can really help you with planning for the future or with actionable tools to deal with what's happening in your body and in your mind at that moment. I love my BetterHelp therapist. She's been wonderful. You know, the process is entirely online. It's really convenient. It's really flexible and it's really suited to your schedule. And I can write her whenever I want to. And she checks in on me on a daily basis. I can conveniently talk to her on the phone if I don't want to do something face-to-face -face or even text. There's so many options. 
and you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash multi today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash multi. This episode is brought to you by Uberlube. I think a turning point in my life when I truly became an adult who valued important things in life was when I started actually getting good quality lubricant. And for that, nothing beats our sponsor, Uberlube. It's the highest quality body safe ingredients, and it just feels so good and doesn't have a smell or a taste. So you get to focus on the person that you're with, even if that person is yourself. Uberlube is made from body-friendly ingredients. It is free of additives like parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. It stays on the surface of your skin and it doesn't enter your bloodstream like water-based lube does. So for people who've had adverse reactions in the past to water-based lubes, usually can handle a silicon-based lube like Uberlube much better. It is latex compatible, so it is safe and effective to use with condoms as well. Right now, Uberlube is offering multi-amory listeners a special offer of 10% off and free shipping when you use our code multiamory at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use code M-U-L-T-I-A-M-O-R-Y at U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E dot com. Uberlube lets you feel what you want to feel. And we're back. All right, let's move on to the next question, which is, how do you support a partner who is long distance? My Comet partner, Prince, they, them, has had several destabilizing events happen over the past few months, from family stuff to sickness to a beloved pet dying. They have become a bit less communicative slash more tired lately, and I am wondering if there's a way I can still support them despite our long distance. Signed, Longingly Long Distance. Oh, the LLD. Another good one. Yeah, that's yeah. good, good too. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with the low-hanging fruit answer, which is the, you could just straight up ask if there's a way that they would prefer to be supported at this time. But separate from that, you know, of course, the direct communication, the direct asking can be really helpful. And some people will respond to that very well. But for other people who are going through a lot of shit, that could be overwhelming. It could be hard to even think of what it is that they need right now or what it is that would be helpful or they may not feel comfortable asking or may not feel like they can really ask. So I'm a big fan of coordinating with this person, but coming with some suggestions of your own, like taking some of that mental labor off of their plate and thinking about the ways that you are willing to offer to support them. So it could be something like, hey, I was thinking I would really love to have some groceries delivered to your place. Would you like that? Can we coordinate that? Or what if I like hired someone to come clean your house or clean your apartment as a one-off? Or it could be, hey, uh, I want to send you this really funny book that I really like and maybe we can talk about it. Or, hey, like, what if we set up a date to watch a movie together, like a comfort movie of your choice that maybe I haven't seen and we'll sit and watch it together. So I, I do think that there's a piece there of taking some of that decision making off of their plate. And sometimes even if they don't maybe necessarily resonate with the things that you've suggested, that could 
get them to counter offer with, well, I don't know if I if I need groceries delivered, but it would be helpful if you did yada, 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 right? Or could be helpful if you did X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, those sort of acts of service or gift-oriented ideas, I think, are really lovely and helpful. It's really nice, I think, to just do something out of the blue for a partner when they're least expecting it. That can feel just like, hey, I am being noticed and being loved in this moment, even though I didn't particularly ask for it. So I love that idea. I think also it's important to give your partner space if they need it. And sometimes that may be what they are most wanting in times mm-hmm. like this is that they just need a little bit of like, I I have to process. That also means that I potentially am going to be less communicative during this time just because I'm working through stuff with a therapist or working through stuff on my own or maybe with the family members who I've been going through things with. And that therefore means that I am going to be less communicative with you. But ideally, you can have that conversation with them and sort of set up expectations of, okay, how long do you need? Or can I still check in on a biweekly basis, for instance, because I really want to know that we're still okay and that we're still doing well and that you know that you're appreciated and cared for from my end and that I know that as well from your end. I think that's such a good point to bring up because... There can be that situation where if I'm feeling just so overwhelmed with stuff going on in my life, it could just even be busyness, but especially if there's a lot of emotional stuff going on and I'm just having a hard time, if I'm kind of retreating into myself a little bit to, to process and make it through that, and I feel like my partner in wanting to help me kind of becomes another obligation or another burden, 100%. it's like, okay, I have to convince them that I'm happy enough that I like being with them, like that that can start to feel like a chore, even though on both sides, it's coming from a loving place of caring for each other. So I just want to highlight, I especially love what you said, Emily, about setting up an expectation though. So it's not just like, okay, I guess I'll just let you drift away and not know what's going on, but say, hey, what if we checked in in a week? Would that be better? Or even just asking, like Dedeker said, giving some options. But this time it could be, hey, you know, I'd love to chat with you a little bit each day to see how you're doing, but like no pressure to do that if you don't want. Or maybe we should just talk once a week so that you have time. I don't want to get in your way or maybe every other week to kind of show them, hey, these are some options of things that we could do for that to, again, take away some of that decision making for them and let them kind of pick or say, oh, no, actually, I, I didn't have a problem. I think it's great what we're doing. But to kind of give them a way to talk about that more easily. Yeah, I think creating relationships where you and your partner feel safe enough to say to each other, hey, I actually need a little bit of space in this moment is really powerful and really wonderful. And that's something that so often in relationships, we take that for granted, our space and our time, because it's just kind of assumed that if you have the time, you're going to be spending it with a partner. Or if you have multiple partners, then trying to fill your time with them, all of your time with them in some form or fashion. And so I do think if you can create a relationship where you're able to say, hey, I feel like we've been talking a lot recently, or I feel really overwhelmed with X, Y, and Z thing. I just need a little bit of space. And for that to be okay, That's really powerful and really wonderful and will enable the two of you to come back together when you're feeling good. 
Well, thank you. Longingly long distance. Best of luck with this and good for you for, you know, having the heart that really wants to support someone that you love and that you care about who's going through a difficult time. Moving on to our next question. Do you have ideas for building confidence as a late bloomer sexually and in relationships? I grew up in a culty religion and never had any sexual experiences until I got married at age 23. I'm now divorced at 29 and I'm dating casually for the first time. I sometimes get in my head and feel inadequate compared to people I date or have sexual experiences with due to my lack of quote-unquote experience or even just confidence. I'm learning things at almost 30 that many people learned in their teens or early 20s. Most of the people I'm going out with have been sexually active since their teens, and while I've been able to do lots of reading and introspection, it's still hard when I find myself feeling like I lack the resources to have happy and successful relationships. As a guy, part of this probably also has to do with patriarchal expectations of men to, quote, take charge in these situations, which I'm not super comfortable doing. I feel like my feelings of inadequacy are impeding this exploratory stage of my life. Do you have any tips for getting out of my head and just enjoying the exploration? Now, that was sent in by Tony Pizza, which is a name we will accept. Now, like, it, it, it doesn't have to be about your location. It doesn't have to be about your situation. It doesn't have to be alliterative, although we love those things. But it does have to be delightful. I think maybe that's the only baseline requirement. And, and our uh. standards for delightful are pretty low. So don't worry about that. I'm... <laughs> Quite delighted by Tony Pizza. For sure. Tony Pizza is great. <laughs> I want to have some Tony Pizza tonight. Um, I just had some Tony Pizza this morning. <laughs> oh, nice. Well done. Everyone wants a slice of Tony Pizza. But Tony, uh, let's talk about your actual situation, though. I, I think I can relate to some of this, having grown up in a somewhat culty religion myself that had a lot of emphasis on purity culture, where me coming to my own sexuality and exploring sexuality with others for sure felt like it was mired in a lot of stuff I had to unpack and undo. And compared to other people my same age, definitely felt pretty held back. Heck, honestly, to this day, there are so many films I still haven't seen because like they came mm. out at a time when I was in this super intense like religious household. And so there's like a whole swaths of pop culture I feel like I missed out on. So I just want to say that first out the gate that can relate and this is difficult and there's not a lot of people who can necessarily relate to it. A little bit tangential here, but something I might recommend is looking into some support groups or communities that may have formed around people who either are ex-members of the same particular religion or just people who have deconverted their religion from their religion in general could be a helpful space. It may not be a space where you can talk about like the graphic details of your sex life, but just getting some support in general from other people who are in your same boat who maybe missed out on some developmental milestones could be helpful in general, just to feel like you're a little bit more seen and maybe have some people who can share with you the things that have helped them. I'm interested to hear what the patriarchy... What the representative of the patriarchy has to say. Jace? <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, as a card-carrying member of the patriarchy, uh, what can I what can I say? Um, I was trying to uh, in somebody who has probably been affected by the patriarchy in a way that Dedeker and I have not, just because you are a dude. How about that? Your particular sure. flavor. Yes. Well, well yeah, sure. I, I do think I would love to hear from you in this. This, you know, Tony Pizza is sharing with us that a layer on top of this is this expectation that men have to take charge in sexual exactly. or romantic situations. They have to know what they want. And we're expecting that they're going to be the ones who are taking the lead at all 
times. And how how's that for you? Gosh, it, all this is hard, right? Because it really varies quite a bit depending on who, who you're with, who you're dating, how you're feeling. I mean, something that comes up when I do have very frank conversations, like vulnerable conversations with other men about sex and, and like confidence levels and things like that. There's a whole range from people who just happen to have found communities and relationships where that's not the case. We're like being very submissive, if you want to put it that way, is like, this is where I fit in and this is what's worked for me, right? This is this is the community I found. These are the partners I've found. And you don't mean like sexually BDSM submissive? I, I kind of do, actually. Oh. Mm. I, I think okay. often they're a little tied together. So not in terms of some kind of, you know, more more intense, full-on, dominant, submissive type dynamic, but like a little bit of that, of like... Because there's also a lot of women out there. Again, I'm assuming based on this statement that we're talking mostly about heterosexual relationships here, that there are a lot of women out there who want to be able to just say what they want and tell you what to do, but feel like they can't because of mm -hmm. patriarchy and, and yeah. those expectations. So yeah. that said, though, I also think that most of the men that I talk to and with my own experience, it's more trying to find some middle way because, yeah. That is how we're socialized, right? And that most people you meet who are women expect a certain amount of, I guess, confidence at least, if not taking charge, but a certain amount of, of confidence or this foregone conclusion that you always are comfortable with whatever and always want to do it, which might not be the case for you. And that's something I've struggled with a lot because I, I'm not always down for everything and don't always want to do it. And that's been a hard thing to figure out how to communicate that in a way that doesn't seem like, oh, well, no, I'd want to because I'm a man. I just don't want to with you because you're ugly or that, you know, like that's sure. the story people hear. And so that can be can be a challenge. But I would just encourage you to really face that head on and kind of have those conversations and just be upfront about it because you're also very unique and exciting in a way because of this situation. It's mm. kind of like, OK, maybe here's a guy who doesn't also have all the shit that a lot of guys mm. have from their early sexual experiences. This actually could be a plus for everyone involved. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And depending on the type of interactions that you're having, I mean, yes, some interactions are going to be fairly quick and just for hookup's sake, for instance, and then it might be a little bit more challenging to actually discuss in the moment. Like, hey, I am less experienced than maybe the average Joe at this point in my life. And, you know, that might be more difficult if you are just having a, a hookup of sorts. But if you're entering into a relationship with someone, I would like to think that people worth having a relationship with would be understanding of the position that you're in and able to just have a conversation with you about it. And set up, again, expectations from the beginning of like, these are the things that I'm interested in trying. This is something that I don't know a lot about. This is something that I'm excited to work towards in terms of being a sexually realized human being in a way that I've never been before. And how can we collaboratively work together to get me to that point? If you are somebody that I want to continue having a relationship with. I understand that may be a lot for some people. But maybe the types of people that you do want to enter into a relationship with would be willing to have that conversation with you. Yeah, okay. 
I'm sorry that I'm taking it here. This is just where my brain went, that it's almost like with sex, you got your soft skills and you got your hard skills, as it were. <laughs> and okay. hey okay. Sure. I, I mean, it really is a hey because I, I do think that traditionally, historically, when we're taught or we have this idea of someone who's like sexually skilled or skilled in bed, we, we do think about the hard skills, like literally technique. I think about mm. so many years of Cosmo mm. magazine or so many sexual technique books out there that are literally about specific technique, some of which is legitimate, some of which I think is not legitimate. So I, I do think that we kind of suffer under this idea of, oh no, like I need to have this particular technique or I need to have all this experience to learn this technique in order to know how to pleasure this other person, yada, 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 yada. And like for some people, sure, that can be great. But for me, maybe this is just me, I'm more interested in the soft skills of, are you like enthusiastic about having sex with me? Are you able to give your focus and your attention to your partner? Are you able to communicate what you want, what you don't want? Are you able to ask them what they want and don't want? Are you able to listen if they're giving you feedback about what they want or how they want things to be different? And are you able to incorporate that feedback? Like to me, those feel like really the most important parts where if someone has that, I don't care if they have zero sexual experience. I'm more excited by the idea of sleeping with that person than by someone who's read all of the sexual technique books and has slept with a ton of people but doesn't have those soft skills, if that makes sense. And to piggyback off of what Jace was pointing out, I think really the good thing here is that there may be less unlearning that has to happen mm. in order for those things to come through. Like to give a specific resource, I really love encouraging people to go check out Betty Martin's Wheel of Consent books and resources, because I think that's a really great framework for learning some of those skills of communicating and listening and getting a sense of, you know, how to negotiate pleasure in a sexual experience. But what often holds people back from being able to absorb that is they have a lot of unlearning that they have to do of bad habits. And I mean, both men, women, non-binary people, everybody, right? That our culture doesn't set us up with really good habits around these things. And so if this person has less unlearning to do, that may be to their advantage. Now I'm going to piggyback on you piggybacking on me. So kind of like we're doing <laughs> like a front flip in the air and then re-piggybacking the other That's a way. hard skill for sure. That's <laughs> so, <yes>. insane. Okay. <laughs> so, and that's that there's a couple pieces to this. So one is that, yes, I feel like the complaint that I've heard more often from women about men that they have sex with is men who don't pay attention. And even if they're they're well-meaning, but it's like they, at some point in their life, learned some kind of way to do something, like some way yes. to use oh their mouth goodness. or their fingers or whatever. And they just are like, well, that's the way it needs to go. And maybe they learned this from porn. Maybe they learned this from an early partner. Maybe they even learned it from a book, but they're like, oh, I was told somehow this is what's good. And more of the negative feedback that I've heard from women when they're just complaining about guys that they've dated is that. It's like, I'll, I'll even redirect him to do something different. And then he does it for a second, but then goes back to what he did before or just doesn't know how to take that feedback. Emily, have you ever had a man try to put a warm washcloth on your vulva after sex? No. <laughs> no. Wait, is that a thing? Is that okay. a thing? I've had at least three men do that. Huh. And I'm pretty sure it's from a book somewhere. 
because in all of those instances, or at least in two of the three instances, the person has said like, okay, this should feel really good. And it doesn't feel bad. I'm like, sure, comforting, like a warm washcloth. It's nice. You know, it's, it's like a mother cat's tongue or something. And but that's the thing where where I'm just like this is so weird and so specific. That this is must yeah. be specific. from a book. If, if you're out there listening and you know what book that is from or or what yeah. influential piece of media that is from, let me know. Do these men just like after after you come, they're like, wait, wait, one second, I I just I got to do something. And then they like <laughs> heat up some water and put it on a washcloth, and then they're like, there, they're there. Pretty much. That's pretty. They don't go to there, there and, and pats or anything like that. But that's pretty much how it's gone. See, the funny thing is, as you're describing this, I'm like, this sounds amazing. I want someone to do this to me. <laughs> like, this sounds great, actually. <laughs> Maybe some people that they're like, no, that is the thing to do. Yeah, but it sounds amazing to me. I mean, if it's cold, if it's cold out, sure, a warm anything. But, but huh. Yeah. No, I don't know. Some, something kind of soothing after okay. it actually sounds really nice. Okay, well, I will take that note. Okay. Maybe listeners out there, maybe you can take the note. Let us know how it goes. Ask, ask first. Ask sure, first yeah, if, if, if they, if your they partner want to try wants it. that. But and yes, if you know the book that this came from, let me know, please. Wow, I, you learn something new every day. <laughs> really, <laughs> truly. The the other thing that I wanted to say about that though is yeah. So on the one hand, just learning a thing and then thinking, oh, this is how I do it. You know, caution against that, right? Because that's a complaint that I've definitely heard many times. I think. On the other hand, though, that something that does come with experience, and this is more just saying this so that it's something you can be thinking about and be aware of, is that assuming you don't fall into trap number one, then if you are taking feedback, trying different things, trying to be very attentive to see you know, what is good, what is this person liking, that you start to build up, I guess, just sort of a, a larger data set of, okay, I've had someone else before who seemed to not respond very well to this. So this is a different thing that I could try. And that's where, you know, reading books or watching videos or, or talking to people, you know, going to sex positive events and talking to people or hearing presentations can be helpful. But think of it more as you're just sort of adding a lot of different options of things that you might try in different situations rather than learning a good way to do it. Right. Because you could have one person who has sex with someone else and says, oh, my God, that was the best sex I've ever had. That person's amazing. And another person could have sex with them and go, no, nah, it was OK. Or I, mean, sure. I didn't really like it. I really didn't like it even. I just want to really emphasize that to like and, and I'm There's sure no that you're already on board with this. Yeah. Don't don't think that this is a specific skill. I think of it more as you can get a larger tool set and a larger data set. But then each person that you're sexual with, including yourself, is a whole new thing to learn and figure out and that it changes over time, which is something I've talked to Dedeker about before of like how different, you know, different things that you used to like more or less and they've evolved over time. And I think that's cool. That's what keeps it fun. But I hope that takes a little bit of burden off of you thinking I've got to know it all. I've got to have this all figured out. Well, thanks, Tony. We appreciate this question. I think it's really important to realize that all of us out there have different experience and you may feel really experienced, but then you meet someone who has a ton more experience than you and maybe they're not actually that good of a lay. So it's fine. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride and good luck. Love that. 
I mentioned earlier in the episode about our amazing patrons who show up to our video discussion groups each month. They're fantastic. But we also have a lot of people who are patrons just so that they can get the ad-free feed. So in their podcast player, they get to listen to this and skip over this part where we do the ads. And so that's also a way you can support this show more directly if you'd rather do that instead of listening to the ads. And that also gets you into our private Discord as well as our Facebook group. Our Discord is amazing. We have so many channels and we have an amazing moderator team that's constantly adding more as people are requesting new topics. And it's just a really, really cool community. And I honestly can't even keep up with it. There's so much activity in it every day. And so if you want to be part of that, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. And now we're going to play a couple more of our sponsors. Really do take a listen to them. They support our show directly in the hopes that you will support them. And if you go check them out using our links and promo codes, they'll continue to support this show. So we really appreciate you taking a moment to do that. This episode is brought to you by Beducated. Have you ever just craved and wanted a great resource that provides over 100 online courses on sex, intimacy, kink, self-pleasure, relationships, all of those wonderful things by the world's top experts? Well, now that is a reality. Our sponsor this week, Beducated, can bring you video tutorials, practical exercises, and reliable information all in one convenient place. They have a fantastic variety of courses. Obviously, they have them on all sorts of different sexual techniques or things that you might want to explore. But I love that they also have courses on a variety of other things like online dating specifically for men or on beginner's guide to ethical non-monogamy or having sex after menopause. Or the one that actually just caught my eye today that I was curious about is called Pleasure Mapping which is about this particular way of exploring what are some pleasurable things I might want to try, what do I like, to help give you and a partner more of a roadmap for how you want to have a good time or even just how you can have a good time with yourself. So click the link in our show notes and sign up for Beducated. You can use our code MULTIAMORY to get 40% off the yearly pass. And they have a 24-hour free trial where you can access literally everything on the site to make sure that this is the kind of content that you're looking for. They have a risk-free 14-day money-back guarantee as well. So again, click the link that's in the episode description and use code MULTIAMORY to get 40% off the yearly pass. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now we have one last question for this episode. Do you have any advice for coaxing old Polly's, Polly much before 2015, into acknowledging when their own jealousy is motivating them. So here's the background information. Former partner Anne has been Polly since the 2000s. They will discuss the necessity of Polly people to see and manage their own jealousy when it appears and often has wise advice about it for others. However, they can get deeply jealous and insecure about their partners developing strong feelings for others at which point, all of the words we use are deployed to act on it or to justify it. This isn't acknowledged. 
So suggesting jealousy could be involved is, quote, denying their experience, end quote. Or acting on that jealousy is, quote, seeking accountability. Boundaries are implied, and when I pointed out that they hadn't communicated them, that was, quote, demanding emotional labor, end quote. I ended that relationship last year. I was far from blameless in this. I've been reflecting on this as part of my own repair. I'm wondering how I would have introduced Anne or other old polys to the idea that admitting jealousy isn't the unforgivable sin it was when they started. This is from Mift in Minneapolis. Again, fantastic sign-off. So good. Do I get to feel miffed for being an old poly? Yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> wow, all of us are... We just are old, yeah. But I, but I will say, yeah, I do think that the culture has very much Absolutely. changed to before where it's like jealousy was the rookie mistake number one. If you feel jealousy, you're failing at it. You need to do more personal work. You need to, you know get through that. And then, yeah, it can lead to some of those mental gymnastics to try to justify to yourself even how you're feeling or how you're acting. So I, yeah, definitely that's not nothing. Yeah. We were just talking about this the other night that I do think in the early to mid 2000s, there was so much emphasis that if you're feeling any type of way, really it's down to you to figure it out. Like it's, it's probably not, has nothing to do with your partner, what your partner is doing. And it makes sense to me why that sort of, I guess, schema arose out of the culture. If we think about going back even before that, where I do think a lot of the practice of polyamory, again, sort of riding the wave of the swinging movement was very couple centric, very hierarchical. And I think there was a lot of a sense of like people can be controlling of their partners and it's totally fine. And I, I get how there was part of this backlash against that, that put this emphasis on doing more personal work as opposed to trying to control your partner's behavior, stuff like that. So like, I understand why that would happen. But yes, I do think we we see this in the pre-2015 poly folks where I, I think we do have a hard harder time being able to admit to feeling jealousy in particular, that maybe admitting that feels more like, oh, that's a personal failing if you're feeling that way. Now, that being said, with this particular situation, this is a very tricky one because it's a really tough call to make. And chances are really high that if you try to tell someone, whether they're pre-2015 polyamorous or not, if you're trying to say, no, you're just jealous right now, 100% that is not going to go over well is not going to go over well. Yeah. I think in terms of being able to deal with jealousy, I will recommend again our 50 Ways to Handle Jealousy episodes part one and two, which are 394 and 395. So you can definitely check those out. We just have to acknowledge that jealousy is something that everyone's going to feel at some point or another. It's absolutely a thing that is normal. And when you're adding multiple people into a dating equation, it's completely understandable that you're going to feel it from time to time. And I think just changing the narrative around that in general, if you are able to, yes, introduce that to older polys in some way and say, hey, yes, I, I want to acknowledge that this is an uncomfortable feeling. I want to acknowledge that this may incite some sort of discomfort or reaction on your part, but 
I want to be honest and I want to be able to discuss with you some ways in which I feel maybe our relationship is lacking and that might be a reason why these feelings are coming up for me. I've done some soul searching. I've taken some time to look at things in our relationship that maybe I feel like we could be doing better. And that has caused me some jealousy from time to time. Dedeker, as you always say, like, what are you longing for? And that's sure. really the question yeah. here. Like with jealousy, like what is it that you are longing for? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. I, I think for myself, or at least to think about this person's particular situation as they're sifting through what happened in this relationship and they're trying to think about I'm assuming they're trying to think about the next time around. You yeah. know, like what if I end up in a similar situation again? And again, I don't think trying to tell someone, hey, you're jealous and you're not admitting it and you need to shape up, that's not gonna go over very well at all. But you can be working to create an environment where it feels safe enough for someone to be able to be honest about those vulnerable feelings, like the the stuff that Emily is saying. And so that involves things like being emotionally honest yourself in yeah. a kind and gentle and compassionate way. And so it may mean you taking ownership of the fact when you're feeling jealous. If that's something, if that's an environment that you want to be in, where you want your partner to feel safe enough to talk about those things, then that's good. I worry a little bit that this may be me reading between the lines too much on that this question, but sometimes the way I've seen this play out in a sort of toxic way is a little bit of like, okay, well, if I can get my partner to just admit that it's just jealousy, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Like if I can get them to admit, oh, it's just their own feelings, then that absolves me of any responsibility. And so I hope that that's not the case or wasn't the case in this particular relationship, because I feel like even if your partner does say, hey, I'm struggling with some feelings that are mine and I take ownership of them, it doesn't mean that you get to be like, great, have fun with that. See ya, necessarily. Yeah, so so I, I, I that's not how I read this, mm-hmm. but I do have something actually kind of similar, similar that I wanted to say coming from a different angle. And that's that, as Emily mentioned, with jealousy... You know, it's like, what are the the feelings behind it? What's going on? And there have even been times in the past where we've talked about this idea that maybe jealousy itself doesn't even exist as an emotion. And it's more this shortcut descriptor for a whole group of other feelings and emotions that can be a little amorphous. So I would say in that sense, you know, doing what Emily was saying and just saying, okay, how could I have the same conversation that I want to have, but without needing to use the word jealousy? Mm kind of as a little mental challenge of how could I ask the same questions I want to ask? How could I bring up the same concerns just without using that word? I actually think this is a good practice in general because it helps you to to think of really what's going on underneath, even if you're fine admitting, yeah, this is jealousy, saying, okay, how would I describe it if I couldn't use that word can be a helpful way to examine it. But I think the the other piece of this is that from the examples of saying, you know, if you approach this person trying to talk about what they're doing, their actions here, right? So it's that suggesting their jealousy could be involved or when they act on that jealousy, that then they get defensive about it and say it's seeking accountability or not being clear about boundaries. They say, oh, you're demanding emotional labor from me. That it sounds like a lot of this was in response to actions that they were doing. And so it could also... Obviously, this is going to be hard, and maybe the person just will be stubborn and won't respond to that and just be like, no, absolutely not. And then it's like, yeah, don't be in a relationship with them. I know that I say that like it's easy, 
but yeah. sometimes it just doesn't work out. Not, not every person is a person that you can be in a relationship with like that, but that it sounds like in this case, there are probably some times where it's like, Hey, I don't care why you did it, but this thing that you did wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And that again is a way to say, how can we have this conversation without even needing to talk about why you did it? It's just the fact that you did it. That's the problem. Yeah, I like that. I like that clarification of getting down to the nitty gritty of like the actual actions and behaviors. Because I think I could see underneath this as we're starting to get into the nitty gritty of like, well, do you feel jealous? No, it's not jealousy. Well, this is why it looks to me like jealousy. No, well, this is why it's not jealousy. That that doesn't sound to me like a very productive conversation, (laughs) trying to get to the bottom of why this person is acting in this particular way or why they're feeling a particular way or, or things like that. That, yeah, I think I like that, that clarification. Thank you, Mift in Minneapolis. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that as you're sorting out what happened in this relationship, it helps give you some insight and some ideas about how to prevent something like this happening in the next one. And speaking of jealousy, we want to hear from everybody listening. So on our Instagram stories this week, we are throwing up this question. How has your relationship to jealousy changed over the course of your life? Really curious to hear everybody's responses. Also, if you want to be one of those who is able to submit a question for our future listener Q&A episode, you can join our community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. That also will give you access to our Discord server or our private Facebook group. Again, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.